Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is a practical show. I don't like to go tinfoil hatish on you. I just keep things rooted in common sense and talk about prepping in everyday life and how to get prepared for things that might hit us. I call them stink hit the fan events. And it's not always something extreme. Sometimes it's a family illness like I'm dealing with. Sometimes it's a financial issue. Sometimes it's a loss of a job. You know, sometimes it's a weather event. It could be a number of things. Are you prepared for that kind of stuff? Because what happens to people is if they're not prepared, when that stink hit the fan event comes... Well, now they're in a huge world of hurt, and then desperation sets in. And unfortunately, when people are desperate, they do desperate things. And I hope that that does not happen to any of you listening to this podcast. I would like to apologize for not putting a podcast out uh, for several weeks. Uh, My family and I decided to downsize a little bit and purchase a different home. We only moved a third of a mile away. We stayed in the same area. A third of a mile. Now, you would think that's an easy move. But guess what? I, I, I thought wrong. Even moving a third of a mile is just like any other move. you still got to move your stuff and move your belongings. And I had to move all my preps. Boy, is that interesting. I think I'm going to do a podcast coming up pretty soon on what it's like to have to move and move all of your preps, all the prepping items, all the survival stuff that you've collected. Woo, man. I didn't even think about that. Wow, that was uh, quite a challenge that I will talk about coming up in the future. But this episode is an interview. Now, I didn't conduct this interview. Pretty cool. I have received some help from some listeners. uh, Mexican Joe and Super Dave. That's the forum names that they both go by. And it's really good. You're going to love this. Mexican Joe and Super Dave got together and they did an interview about about riots. And uh, Dave went through the L.A. riots years ago. So you're going to hear about that. Now, you know, it's kind of fitting for what we're going through today. I, I really don't want to make a whole lot of comments about the George Zimmerman trial And the results of the George Zimmerman trial. The reason I don't want to make a comment about that too much is because it's so polarizing. Now, I'm going to throw a few things out there, but but I'm not going to get too deep into it. It's a very polarizing subject, and I'd like to not engage in that. But for those of you who carry a gun for protection, as I do, I want you to think that what happened, think about what happened to George Zimmerman. Okay. It appears now, it appears, okay, and and again, this is just my opinion, but now the trial has come out, the, the trial has happened, the verdict has been given down, and we have seen most of the facts. And it appears that George Zimmerman acted in self defense. But here's what I want you all to realize. Even if you're right in acting in self-defense. Now, I'm not saying George Zimmerman was 100% right. Because he made some mistakes. He made some very critical, bad mistakes. But even if you do everything right, ladies and gentlemen. Even if you do it all correctly, by the law. You can still get in trouble. Unfortunately... In this litigious society that we have here in the United States of America, that's the way it is. Isn't that unfortunate? So, be real careful. Your gun has to be the last resort. Well, now we're seeing fallout from the trial. And it's really unfortunate that this has become a race issue. It's really, really unfortunate. This should never have become an issue about race. This should only have been an issue about what happened between those two men. But, anyway, uh, and by the way, you noticed I said two men. 
Okay, a lot of people like to say that that Trayvon Martin was a child. You know, at, at 17 and a half years old, it's my opinion that they're young men. Okay, they're a young man. That's just my opinion now. You know, folks, you might you might disagree with me. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. I understand. I understand. You know what? I completely welcome disagreements. I really do get on the forum and, and, and set me straight if you want. I'm raising my son to be a young man when he's 17 and a half years old. I want him to be a young man. I want him to be making decisions on his own. I want him to become self-sufficient. I want him to be growing up at 17 and a half years old. He's 15 and a half right now, okay? I got two years. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. Anyway, Mexican Joe and Super Dave, they did a great interview. So, here you go. Let's let's listen in. This is a guest interview that was sent to me. It's it's really good. Here you go. Okay, Mexican Joe here. Uh, I'm here with my buddy Super Dave. And what we're going to do is, um, when Bob had interviewed both me and uh, Dave here a little while back, a couple episodes back, um, Dave had some really good insight on a couple of serious prepper incidents uh what do we call them we call them scenarios oh, stuff hits the fan yeah yeah the stuff hitting the fan uh scenarios and uh so we're going to do two different interviews uh this is the first one and we think this is the highest priority one um we're going to talk about two scenarios that dave was in uh and the first one is going to be the la riots um me and dave for dave are both from the la area um, I'm from the San Fernando Valley, Van Nuys, Reseda area, and Dave is... Oh, I'm actually from up in the Antelope Valley. Uh, I moved down to the San Fernando Valley area uh, after I got into the reserves in the Army. Uh, I was working down there in Pacoima for a trucking company. So, that, so we're both from the same area, so um, we're going to try to make this as intelligent as possible. Because we know what we're saying and we know the areas we're talking about, but we're going to try to hand it off to everybody else to and make it as intelligent possible so y'all can understand what we're talking about. Okay, so um, first off, um, what I like to do and what I did with Ghost here a little while ago was uh, kind of give us some background on you, you know, where you grew up, just you know, real quick, short, and simple. Uh, when you went into the service, and then when I, I still I don't think I have an understanding of when the LA uh, riots happened, you know, before, during, after, and all that. So go ahead and go ahead and tell us first off where you know what your background is, where you came from, how you grew up. Well, I grew up up in the Antelope Valley. Like I said, my dad uh, retired from retired from the Air Force, Edwards Air Force Base. Um, after he retired, he went to work for uh, Northrop and <clears throat> was working up there at Palmdale Plant 42. And he was also later on a flight test out at Edwards for Northrop. Um, I went through high school out there, graduated. Uh, right after I graduated uh, the following April of 86, I joined the Army and I went in the Army Reserves uh, as a Bradley mechanic. And uh, recovery specialist, which is all melted into one now. Um, <clears throat> did my basic AIT and my weekend warrior stuff. Uh, and that anyway, basic AIT was at Fort Knox. I was at Fort Knox, yes, correct. And then uh, <clears throat> I went to, when I got out, uh, I went ahead and uh, Worked some odd jobs till I turned 21. So I went in, I was 17 years old. And I turned 21, I got my CDL and started driving trucks. Anyway, uh, that ended up in a company I was down uh, based out of San Fernando, based out of Pacoima, uh, right around the corner from Foothill Police Station. Which is not a great area. No. No, it's it's... It's got good good places, bad places, but I mean, you just got to know where they are. It's like any city. Um, anyway, uh, the riots 
started off, it was a 92, and <clears throat> I was making a run. I was, I was running a 30-foot, about a 30-foot long uh, straight truck. I wasn't driving a tractor trailer. And I was coming to the yard down Osborne Street through Pacoima. Well, Foothill Police Station is right on the corner of Osborne and San Fernando Road. And that's why I noticed all the picketers. I hadn't been following the news. I really didn't care. Uh, you know, I just, after doing my job, wanted to get home like anybody else. Uh, anyway, kind of like, like a lot of people are right now, <laughs> is, that, is that they just don't care. They just want to go to work and get home at the end of the day to be able to sit around and have a beer, watch some TV, and call it done. That's it. Which is quite a bit different from where we are today. Right. So I... Uh, I saw the picketers out there and saw the saw some of the signs, you know, honk, you think Rodney King's innocent and you know, that that sort of thing and and I noticed the picketers were getting a little bit high strung and enough for me to worry. And Murphy's Law being what it was, I caught the red light right there, right next to the curb with the picketers. And that point in time, I decided to make the rational choice of making sure that I could get across the intersection and went across it against the red, uh, just because it was it, it, I was seeing a volatile situation develop, and got into the yard, and that's when I notified dispatch, and that's when uh, I was informed from dispatch that they had other reports around the area of uh, things breaking out, you know, rocks being thrown and. and that type of thing. Um, got into the yard, <clears throat> and uh, they. I went in to take a break and uh, called the house and try to find out some news, find out what's going on. And basically, uh, people were starting to lose their mind. You know, they just. It was, it, it, you know, media. The media is really fond of stirring this stuff up. Uh, and they love to put, they love to play the race card, and this was not a race riot. It was a free for all for people that just targets of targets of opportunity. Yeah, basically, they just say they wanted to go steal and loot, and what a better idea than burn your own city down? I mean, that was just basically the premise of the whole thing. And um, anyway, it was that evening I went up to I I got a tractor trailer and was going up to Lakeview Terrace. And taking a load up up there, and that's when I noticed that there were about 300 or so people in the park up by Foothill Boulevard in, in Osborne. And I'm, at that point, I realized, okay, this can't be good. So I got over and picked my load up, told the guy. He said, man, he said, all hell's breaking loose. And that's when I decided to take the route, uh, an alternative route, back into the yard. And that's what I proceeded to do. Uh, I got into the yard and jumped in my truck and uh, to head home. And that's when I pulled out the same intersection, Osborne and San Fernando Road. And there was a motorcycle officer. They had Osborne Street blockaded off. And he was in the intersection. And he saw, I guess I was wearing my uniform for my job. And he, he, uh, he uh, approached the side of the truck and told me, that Osborne Street was shut down uh, because of random sniper fire, which just just blew me away for the fact of the, for the fact that it was just ultimate stupidity that somebody's going to get on the roof of their house and just shoot at people randomly. Yeah, because that's oh, over 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 this over over something that happened in in, in court and, and everything else. It just I mean just well, yeah, and you know why would you why would you it's 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 it's, it's it's hard to understand why why sane people would shoot at people just for the sake of shooting at people. Yeah, I just I just I couldn't understand it. I, I you know, well, he told me, of course, this guy's got a full vest on, and he uh, he asked me where I lived, and I told him I lived in Sherman Oaks, and he rallied, he told me the best way to get there, and I will never ever probably ever be told this again by a police officer. Don't worry about tra breaking traffic laws tonight. Just get home, and if you got a gun, load it. And that's funny because this is in L.A. County. This is L.A. County. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was told us yeah. by an L.A.P.D. officer, and I, I was like, okay, this it, things are just things are getting real now. Yeah, that's funny. So, I took off, and of course, I'm driving a little Toyota truck, and uh, 
I got up there on the Hollywood Freeway and just giving a little toy out everything he's got. And I get up there on the on-ramp. Well, I'm going down, going down the freeway, and I'm running 90. And there are rows of black and whites in the hammer lane going past me. Lights going. I mean, six to eight of them at a time heading down to... Uh, You're doing 90, and they're passing they're you. They're passing me. And, and not even blinking. Yeah, they're passing me. And I'm, I'm like, okay, <laughs> stuff's getting really, really bad tonight. Uh, finally, I see all that, and I get home, and I lived in a little apartment complex in Sherman Oaks, about 16 units, and, of course, we parked around back, and, well, I pulled in, well, all the tenants were sitting outside, and having golf clubs and baseball bats, and you name it, I pulled in, and I'm just, I couldn't believe it, okay, they, they, you know, they're going to protect their place, but, you know, and in my opinion, that's when you're inviting trouble. You're, you're showing... You're showing your weapon. You're showing your enemy, your possible enemy, if it's to rear its head, that what you're armed with, well, that's not exactly the brightest thing in the world to do, in my opinion. Well, and the way I look at that is if you show them what you've got for a weapon, they're going to back up and they're going to come back, back at you with a bigger or better weapon. That's exactly right. You know, and, and it, now if you were actually... In a defendable situation where they could see you're there but not know what you've got, that's actually better. Right, right. Well, they, uh, I got out of the truck and they want to know what was going on. Well, I shared my news with them, what I saw firsthand, and they shared with me what they were seeing on the news. And of course, we can hear gunfire going off in Van Nuys, we can hear gunfire all over the place. It was just, it was crazy. And so they're like, well, Dave, we know you have a gun. I'm like, yes, I do. Well, nobody here has one. I'm like, okay, well. Kind of sucks to be you, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, I have a 12-gauge shotgun, and if you think I'm going to be able to defend this whole apartment with a 12-gauge shotgun loaded with nothing but bird shot, y'all are sadly mistaken. Yeah, know, know the limits of your weapon. And I said, I'm not brandishing that weapon I am uh, it's it's already loaded up in my apartment and that's where I intend to stay and I, I informed all of them that my thought process behind them being outside wasn't uh, wasn't really a good idea for all of us you know and I convinced them all to go and go back in their apartments and just lock the doors and just you know hold up and see what's going on because we didn't know where where these groups of Riders, what streets they were going to come down or nothing. We didn't know. Most of it was, luckily, was for us, was down in uh, the Wilshire District area and, and, and down in the hood, down in the basin. But anyway, you know, there was just skirmishes and stuff going on in the valley all over the place, and we just didn't know what to expect. Uh, <clears throat> I went in, went inside and uh, got everything ready and just basically watched the news. And finally got tired enough I went to bed and uh, next day I decided well I called work and I went to work and we were talking about evacuating the uh, evacuating the terminal truck terminal and moving it to Monrovia uh, just because of our, our proximity with the police station and anyway they uh, uh, we had to actually call customers to see if they were open to see if it was safe in their area to, to deliver freight, it was it was crazy. So yeah. so you were so you tried to go to work, but you, then you had to turn around and find out who was there to make your delivery and who right, wasn't. Right. Okay. Now, right here, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop real quick and just throw this out there: is that let's say a, a stink hits the fan scenario pops up. Okay. How many freight companies are there in any one person's area? Okay. And then let's just stop and look at the, the, the normal, I don't care where you are, there's a FedEx and a UPS and a mailman. You know, <coughs> what are they going to do? <clears throat> you know, in a riot situation, you know, the mail must go through, but the mailman is more important than the mail to me. I mean, the mail can come tomorrow because I don't care what it is. I don't need that bill today. I can handle that bill tomorrow right. just fine. Right. You know, let's let's think about that. So, for all of the you know, 
mail and freight carriers out there. Uh, think about that. Well, you know, <clears throat> I heard, I heard stories. Of course, none of this made the news, but I heard stories about UPS drivers and and stuff. I mean, that just doing their jobs and and you know the 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 groups of these rioters coming down the roads. I mean, I've heard UPS heard of UPS drivers having actually. You know, use their use their trucks as their only weapon. I mean, just to get through get through the crowds, and and I mean, you got people that are there to harm you. Well, you got to do what you got to do to survive at that point. And and the only weapon you've got is an accelerator. It's sad, but well, it, if it, I slow down long enough, it can get really ugly for me. It is what it is. You know, I mean, Reginald Denny lived. I want to say about a mile or so from me in Sherman Oaks. What I understand, he was he was not too far from where I was living, and he was just doing his job, you know, single parent, raising a young daughter back then, and and you know he's driving a rock truck, you know, bottom dumps, and and he's, you know, you're not going to take off like a Ferrari when you're you're running eighty eighty thousand pounds at a stoplight, and he got pulled out of his truck and almost killed. Just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and of course the media circus turned all that around, and everybody tried to say he was doing, he was saying racial stuff and this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. You know, further inciting the rioters. And anyway, you know, luckily he lived, but I, I, I haven't followed followed to see uh, how it affected him in the long run. You know, it's just to me, it's just it's a crying shame that that people can't see past their own anger for whatever a situation is and can't realize that first and foremost we're Americans. You know, if we don't like something that happens in the judicial system, then it's our obligation to take the necessary steps in voting um, and writing to the people that need to be written to uh, to protest. Well, don't go burn your own, your own city down. Well, no, and that goes that plays into a bunch of stuff. It's it's we have a system in place, and the system is we give it to the judge and the jury, and let them handle it because that's fair. If we give it to the mob, that's called a lynching. So we don't do that, right? I right. mean, if you if you get if you get all wrapped up in all of that, then we are no better than any other mob, and it's just it's it's not right. Well, now something else here that I've kind of found is kind of funny. I've, I've been back home to California once or twice, and I'm not real fond of it because of the the way people treat each other there. Now, here, you know, and I know I understand everybody's not from Texas or from the South, and I think we both have gravitated here. We got here however we got here, but now we're not leaving. And the reasoning is, is people here are overly polite. Is that I will hold the door open and stand there for a minute, while a little old lady will walk up just trying to get in the grocery store. Right. And I hold it for her because, you know what? I want somebody to do that for my mom. Right. I want somebody to do that for my grandma. You know what? I want to treat that woman. That woman is somebody's mom, somebody's grandma, you know, somebody's great-grandma, so on and so forth. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. Oh. And and I don't think that, I know with me, I didn't learn that till after I was in the service. I didn't learn to be that polite and the hows and the whys and the etiquette right. behind right. proper upbringing. I mean, my mom did a hell of a job as a single mother, you know, but when she was working, there was only so much she could do. So that's one of the things that people need to keep in mind is compassion. You know, hold the door for somebody. I don't care if it's a man or a woman. Hold the door for somebody. Right. Say thank you. Call them sir. Right. You know, just... Right. If, if people start practicing respect for others, people will respect them in return. So that's that's. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, that's all right. No, it's it goes it goes hand in hand with with you know, the respect thing. You know, any self-respecting human being is not going to take his anger out on somebody he doesn't even know, just because. You know, race or the difference of opinion, or religion, or, or anything, religion or whatever. Live and let I mean, live. It's you know, it's all it's all about 
about respect. Anyway, the, the, the further the fiasco of the riots, when the uh, National Guard finally got mo- finally got mobilized, uh, I had a delivery to them. They're they're uh, basically their their meeting point was at the Sepulveda Wash Basin over on the edge of Van Nuys. Which, if if anybody's ever seen uh, True Lies or some of the other movies. It, it looks like a dam, but it's an old dam that apparently broke or cracked or whatever during the 71 earthquake, and they don't use it. It's just a dry dam, but it's a great place for Hollywood to do movies, and I remember playing down there. Right. Me and my brother used to skateboard down there, So, but it is a very good uh, kind of a circle-up point for the National Guard. Right. Well, they, they all met, decided that was the best place to, to call a base, so be it. For what it's worth, and uh, basically it was, it, you know, they they got they got mobilized, they got everything, they were they were all rolling in there, and I rolled up there with my truck, and <laughs> the guy doing doing guard duty had me laughing. He said, "I sure hope you have ammo on that truck." I'm like, "No, I have MREs." I said, "But I did hear the MRE crackers can turn you turn into Chinese throwing stars." <laughs> I said, "If that'll help you." That blew me away that they didn't have ammunition. They sent those guys out there as a show of force without any way of defending themselves. Which, that that right there is sickening. Because I've been in Germany and seen that. Put me put me out on an ammo depot with right. no ammo. Right. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. That's the just, military is so worried about protecting people that it doesn't protect its soldiers. So they, they got out there. They rolled around as a show of force. Well... If they're not shooting back, that's the, the message is pretty loud and clear to the the perps and the thugs that are rioting that, hey, look at the guys in the green. They're just standing around with the cops, and they're not going to do anything because they can't. Well, that lasted, I don't know, a couple days, and I guess they, they finally got some ammo. It didn't come off my truck, but they uh, finally were able to lock and load, and it only took about a couple, three skirmishes uh, where guard members and reservists stepped in uh, and took down a couple folks and word traveled fast and it shut it down. Um, so, basically, a good defense or show of force stopped the aggression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of like, kind of like you know, like Bob teaches on the handgun world side is is that, you know, the gun is the last resort, but when it comes out, once you brandish it, there's a pretty good... Well, no, but then, then again, there's a pretty good chance the aggression will stop. Mm-hmm. And if the guy runs away and all you've done is the worst thing you think can be charged with is brandishing, I'm good. Right, right. You know, I'd rather be, right. you know, charged with brandishing than actually firing a weapon. So yeah, that, they, that's a good uh, point. They, uh... One of the guys I worked with <clears throat> in my truck terminal, he, uh... uh was in one of the units that were was down taken down he taken down there in the Wilshire area and uh, his partner that his wingman ended up having to shoot a guy that was he was driving I guess a little two eighty Z from what what he told me and uh, he tried running an LAPD officer down. Well he missed and decided to make a second run at it. Well his second run was not successful for him. Um because he got seven rounds right through the windshield, and it shut him down. And, of course, you have a ton of witnesses of rioters and well, on both sides, you know, that, that saw this. And, like I said, there again, word travels fast, and it shut him down. Yeah. Um, the folks that were in Chinatown protecting their stores, and a lot of them had their apartments right above their stores. They were on the rooftops. Which and, and from what from what I remember of you know being in L.A. that was pretty typical, was that that's how they did it was it was a family unit right you have the store downstairs you live above so it's all one expense all the electricity's together right. they're trying you know I don't care what you say about foreigners or people from other places they do what has to be done to keep the family afloat and alive right right I mean they. Only the family works for the family. They don't get paid. They get to eat. They get to sleep. They get a roof over their head. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. Right. 
Now there's your survivors. <laughs> right. Well, and on that note, you know, on the, on the on the prepper side of all of this, you know, civil disturbances happen so fast. Um, it'll make your head spin. It, it'll be on top of you before you realize the danger of the situation. And I was able to hole up in my apartment. I was able to. You know, after the fact, of course, I, you know, California, you don't get caught, you don't, don't get caught carrying. It's not like Texas where you can carry in a vehicle out there. They, they get a little high strung over that. Um, they, having, having come back out and knowing what was going on, I was better able to prepare in my travels. Um, and there again, having a CDL license, driving a truck, you still you still couldn't carry a weapon. <clears throat> but knowing my way around the valley uh, and around LA in general, you know, I was able to avoid situations and give myself alternate routes out everywhere I went. So, uh, so, and then getting back to the prepper thing, knowing your environment, knowing your area, is a really good plus side. Right, right. Because because you knew your AO, right. you knew how to not drive into a problem. You knew how to drive around a problem. Right, right. And I knew how to avoid it altogether. I mean, I know we do that out here in, in, in East Texas is that, you know, we know where the traffic is. And, yeah, I may go 20 miles out of my way to get from point A to point B, but I don't deal with traffic. Well, you're not going to sit in traffic for, for an hour longer. Right, right. So my right. time is less than it was, even though my mileage may have been more than it was. I, uh... <clears throat> my thing was, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that <clears throat> when all this went down, was I already had stuff in the house and the place in the apartment to, to sustain for a few days. Um, I had my reloader in there, you know, and the, the beauty with a shotgun is <clears throat> you can reload just about anything you want in, in, a, in, in a hull. <clears throat> a shotgun haul. So meaning what? Well, I mean, you can marbles, you know, whatever. Nuts, I mean, bolts, yeah, needles, whatever. Screws. I mean, if you you want to <clears throat> make something that's going to be a little bit more effective than eight shot, then you know, I had that all in my apartment. So you know, I could I could put together some rounds that would take care of it if I had if I if I so needed to. And of course I had my buckshot rounds and stuff put up, but uh you know, I was able to to keep folks at bay from my perspective. You know, for me now <clears throat> this what kinda what kind of was laughable to me in in a sense and it, and it wasn't funny considering what was going on, but the same folks that knew I had a shotgun in the apartment are the same folks that a lot of them were anti-gun, which is typical in California. Well, you don't need a gun until you need a gun. That's exactly right. And I thought it was comical. These are the same folks that are out of golf clubs and baseball bats. I'm like, you know, let me know how that works out against a thirty eight revolver. You know, yeah. or something. Yeah. Because yeah, a little Saturday night special. Unless the you're, world. you know, unless you're, uh, like somebody from the Matrix, um, it's not gonna work out too well. <laughs> Just saying, but <clears throat> you know, I you know, these folks all expected me. I mean, they they it's like they almost demanded me to be it's your the, job, be the apartment sentry. Why is it not your job, Dave? I, I'm, I'm, what? 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 <laughs> you were put here for us. By who? Oh wait, we elected. Oh, just now we elected you. You're right, right. To defend us. Oh wait, and, yeah. But, oh, but why is that? Because. Where's the police? Mm. Oh, wait. They're not coming. Yeah, they won't be yeah. here. Where's the National Guard? Oh, yeah, they're over there. Yeah. They're yeah. controlling bigger interests. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I can't defend myself because I have a golf club, and that guy's got a thirty-eight. Right. I can swing it at six feet. Oh, but wait. He can shoot me at 40 feet. <laughs> or more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so now suddenly, it's well, it, was, it was funny because, it, like I said, it was... It, to me, in, in, in looking back at it, it was funny because you know here I am, you know, still, still in the military reserves, and you know I'm supposed to be some apartment superhero now, you know, and amongst liberals that that 
have golf clubs. They have golf clubs, and I just and that's a very defendable weapon on the seventh green. Yeah, I just I I just couldn't uh, I I just couldn't get my head around that whole thing. You know, it's amazing how people flip sides when when you know stuff hits the fan situation comes up. Um, but yeah, it was it was an eye opening experience as far as as far as civil unrest goes. That would be. Probably one of my first stuff hits the fan moments, and I'm thinking, you know, all these little skirmishes that are going on right now over the George Zimmerman trial. Um, I've got friends on on both sides of the fence with this that are both very, very adamant in their beliefs, and the friends that are on the side of the fence that I'm not are you know i i'm i'm open for debate but i was like you know and, and we'll we'll talk about it and you know my whole thing my whole thing was is you know that they like to throw up the fact that he was 17 years old and and this that and the other okay that's fine you know i lost a son last year he was 21 years old um put this in perspective how does that boy's parents feel right now they're going to have this. They'll never have closure on this because they're going to have this black cloud over their head the rest of their lives. You know, because this has been a worldwide thing. Um, how does this? How is this any different than the 500 plus per annum murders that happen in Chicago? <clears throat> how many cares about? Nobody cares. About how many of those are 17 year old black males or seven? Just just kids. It's like it's. You know how many of those are are are, are kids that have their whole lives ahead of them? You know, um, be a self-respecting human being and be an American is my is my take on it. Be an American. Um, well, every I mean, you know, we and we've talked about this quite a bit. Um, we definitely don't pull the race card. No, we actually pull the anti-race card and we jack with each other using racial terms. Because it's fun to watch the reaction on people's faces. Uh, I'm Mexican Joe. That's Super Dave. He is the super cracker. And we have a good time with it. Because it's just funny. Because we are the most non-racial people you will ever meet. And here's the one good thing I can say that comes out of California. And, you know, (laughs) regardless of what your feelings are on people. If you want to... Stay away from people who are black, white, Hispanic, Asian, um, gay, lesbian, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever. The way we grew up, if you get rid of all of those people in 1980, you were sitting in your room playing Pong by yourself. Okay, because that was the game back in the day. And you couldn't go outside. Because you couldn't associate with those people. So we had all of those friends that had all of those things that are not actually compatible, but we had those friends because we don't care. I don't care what you do later on. I don't care what religion, you know, you 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 know, you you, you go out and you and you get involved in. You know, we had. I went to church for a while, and then I didn't go to church for a while, and back and forth. And you know, we I had Jewish friends and Christian friends and whatever. But the point is, it's live and let live. I mean, we've we've had all of that. Well, and, and as long as as long as I don't care whether it's your religion or your upbringing or whatever, if your religion or, or your upbringing says you're going to come kill me, I'm sorry, I have to kill you first. Right, right. You know, and it's just that's just don't assault me and I won't assault you back. Well, keep your friends few and your enemies inside is what I was always told. Right. Uh, I mean, just don't, don't do but, it. <clears throat> you know, and, and part of my debate with, with some of the folks that I've talked to, you know, over this whole recent deal is that the media is going to only take certain pieces of this puzzle. It's the best story they've got. And they're going to put out the just the best pieces of it, just like they did with Rodney King. To inflame the story. That's exactly right. And in doing so, civil unrest is is always a possibility. But it's not their fault. 
you know, right. It's not their fault right. that they inflamed a riot mm-hmm. because it's freedom of the press. Mm-hmm. And this right here, I don't, I'm not saying we need to agree with it, but constitutionally, I don't know. Let let, let somebody take it to court. You know, he's, <clears throat> you know, the the jury. My and my other my other point in the debate with him with folks is that the jury was selected by both. Both parties, both lawyers, right? In this case, okay. And you've got a fifty-fifty chance, so winning or losing. The jury was selected, was agreed upon, and the justice system did its thing and went through court, and they they found him and acquitted him. Well, okay. Whether you think it's right or it's wrong, what's done is done. It is what it is. You know. Now, what really chaps me. Is now it's becoming a federal issue, and it's further stirring stirring the pot. There's innocent people getting killed. I've been I've been catching here and there little pieces on the internet. There's people getting murdered over this just because of having a, st- a sticker on the back of their car or something stupid like that. Um, because killing somebody justifies somebody being right, killed. Right. And it just, you know, it, it's, it's... So, so tragically, however it happened, mm-hmm. however the circumstances arose, which a jury has dealt with that, one person, a kid, died. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. And every death is. is sad. But because of that, we may have bred six other deaths. Oh, there's probably been more than that by now. Right. You know... I mean, an eye for an eye is one thing, but really... I, you know, I just... Everybody doesn't need to grab an eye. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's just sad. Well, and, you know, and, and destroying destroying property and, and, like I said, and there again, just causing harm to people that have done nothing, you know, just because of the color of their skin. Or because you know, they're there. I blame, you know, because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I blame the media. Okay? Oh, well, I blame our current administration, too. You know, I blame... I blame your your racial uh, hate mongers, uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. I blame them. You know they're they're stirring the pot like there's no tomorrow, and they just keep stirring it. You know, and they're the ones inciting all of this. And and you know it's 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 just really sad. And and I hate I, I hate I hate what happened. Okay, don't get me wrong. I hate what happened. But we weren't there. Okay, nobody that is participating in any rioting, is participating in any uh, guard shack lawyering, so to speak, was there. They don't know what happened. Okay, the jury decided on the evidence that was given to them. By a judge. By a, and, and it was filtered by a judge. Right. Not filtered by the media. And the media telling their story and their spin. Right. Which is the way it's supposed to be, and I, we we both agree that the justice system works. It's not a perfect system, but turn around and look at any other system in the world. We're as close as you can get to fair, yeah. and life isn't always fair. No, but we're pretty damn close. Right, and the justice system is uh oh there again, like we said, it's not perfect. I mean, you know. Lord knows I've had my dealings with it uh, here recently with, with, with some stuff going on uh, involving my son in, in, in the accident he was involved with. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of corruption out there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that. There's a lot of corruption, but that stems all the way up to the top. I mean, and that's been the case for a long time, and it's just up to us as American citizens to be discerning <clears throat> and to know and to do our research and our homework before people are put into these positions of power. It is our responsibility as American citizens to vote these people out and vote people in there that are that, that have morals and have the right values. Um I'll do and our own the, research. What's, what's what's sad about that is those those kind of people are few and far between. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, there should be a world full of Ted Cruz's and Rand Pauls, but 
that's a perfect world, and that probably will never happen. Um, yeah, Ted Nugent probably won't win uh, the president. Yeah, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be a rock and inaugural event, but yeah, <laughs> right, right. But uh, as far as a, a prepper take on it all, <clears throat> just yeah, that's where I was going to go. I'm keep, sorry. Keep you know, where, where, yeah, where, where, what were your big strong preps in that? What did you pull out of it on your preps? Or was it forethought or tactics? Well, what I pulled out of it would be the fact that, well, I mean, you can only be, you can only be prepared to what the law allows you to in the state you're in, number one. And that's that, and I'm talking about on a self-defense issue. So get out of California. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. That's that, you know, and I know there's some, there's some listeners out there. One, Joe and I talk to you regularly, uh, teen prepper. Uh, and I'll be interviewing a team prepper. I've got it scheduled he, uh, already. You know, we we've talked to him quite a bit. Um, California is just not a fun place to live if you want to try to defend yourself. That's all there is to it. Uh, you know, and that's just my take on it. Having grown up out there, um, I can't get enough of, of East Texas. Uh, but my take on it all would be, you know, I, I'm glad that I had what I had at my home, um, the biggest take is knowing my, uh, my biggest take is knowing that I could get from point A to point B, even though I had to go way out of the way, and knowing what to avoid. Um, my biggest take would be having enough at home to not have to worry about going to the store. See, now that, that, I was just getting ready to ask that. You know. Okay, so the power never went down. No. Okay, so therefore we could do laundry, we had water, we right, had power, right. blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that whole problem goes away. So good. You know, plan for the worst, you know, and hope for the best. Right. Okay, you never went to the store. Nope. Because you had enough for how much food... Okay, because we know you had water, we know you had power. How much food, how long could you have survived on the food you had in your apartment? Oh, I could have been there for at least a week, week and a half, at least. Okay, yeah. now were you? would you classify, looking back, because hindsight is twenty twenty. would you have classified yourself as a prepper now, or back then, or were you just, that was just what you had to have? I was a prepper and didn't know it. And this goes back to episode 214 where, where we talked to to Bob. Um, the way it just all boils down to the way I was raised. And it was, uh, uh, it was a lot of that had to do with just, you know, my, my mom being from, you know, World War II era. I had, I had uh, <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of knowledge transferred to me and I didn't even realize it. And back then, I, you said something about a prepper back in 92 and I would have looked at you like you were smoking something because I wouldn't know what a prepper was. Yeah, because it wasn't, it didn't, you know, the term didn't exist back And then. there again, there again, you know, I'd gone through, you know, military training in 86. So military training was still fresh in my head. Uh... You know, and on on the what to do and the what ifs and 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 that type of thing. So I knew I was able to hold my own, and, and at the time, my first wife was able to to protect her. Um, <clears throat> but my my looking at where I'm at now versus where I was then. You know, out here, what I love about Texas is that you can ride around and you can be armed. You know, I love that. I love the fact that I can feel confident in my safety and my family's safety at all times. Confidence is a pretty strong weapon. You know, I'm confident in the fact that if we have, and I'm not expecting any kind of a civil disturbance out here because people just done lost their mind if that happened. Um, just because the folks that we know out here, um, that just, the dog won't hunt. But, <clears throat> you know, as far as civil disturbances happen in the cities, uh, you know, the city would be the place I would be really, really apprehensive to live. And I know a lot of you folks out there don't have a choice in that. And I respect and understand that. But always plan you a good way out. 
and the fastest the fastest point the fastest way out but you know you know if you live in the city you know where the bad areas are um and always take into consideration you know the what ifs along the way you so know. you're talking about an egress right with, with multiple alternates right multiple alternates is a must um and there again think about if you got to do it on foot you know yeah yeah, that's we, where it gets dicey. Yeah, we you know, we plan that. And, uh, I'm I just I thank the good Lord above that. You know, the only thing I got to worry about is a hog chasing me or something out here. But yeah. uh, you know, the city city life, I, I I don't miss it, and I'll be honest, I don't miss it. Um, you know, there's a lot less worries living out in the country, uh, and a lot less worries about things like that are happening now you know you get people that are that are upset and stuff like that but those are you know they're they're here and there but they're not going out and burning barns down right um because there's pretty much everybody owns a barn owns a shotgun out here or something <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> you know that's not going to happen but you know and it's just the thing is you know we're exercising our, our freedoms as americans and and speaking what our opinions are well that's and that's respectable as long as it's kept respectful. Right. Okay. All right, so do you, Dave, do you have any, uh, I'm talking about the L.A. riots and some kind of, you know, some of the things that, you know, you found out. If you got any last-minute things, try to wrap this up for Bob so it doesn't run too long. No, I think I pretty much covered it all. Uh, you know, like I said, that the last part I said, you know, just if you live in a city, I, my biggest, best advice to you is, <clears throat> always have always have a plan for the dive and get ready to dive the plan. That's an old famous yep. Navy SEAL term. Yep. Uh, you know, if you got to have a plan B, make sure you have a plan C and a plan D. Uh, yeah. Because have alternates. anything that can't go wrong will. Or yeah, it can't Murphy, go wrong. So, Mr. Murphy jumps in there quite often. So, you know, but it, you know, if you think about a power down situation, you think about if it's an EMP hit, you think about stuff like that. Civil disturbance is going to follow very quickly after that. Yeah, it really doesn't matter what the uh, stuff hitting the fan is. No. The civil disturbance is going to be the rocker. That's going to be that's going to be a, a definite um, because you got those people in the world that are on on the take. And they live by the being on the take, and they raised they raised to be on the take, and that's the all they know. If the catastrophe doesn't get you, the civil disturbance will. Right, and these people are armed too. And I'll tell you what: some of these folks here, some of these folks that that, that are in the civil disturbances are folks that have also been in the military. Yeah. Some of these folks have got training. Don't think for a minute uh, that what you see on TV when they shoot. A magazine full of ammo and miss everything they shoot at. Don't think that that applies to everybody, right? Because right. it don't. Yeah. You know, you, you need to take it seriously, and 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 you know, you can talk your game. You know that. Oh yeah, I'll take them down to this, that, and the other. Well, you know, saying and doing is two different animals. And yeah, you're training versus a guy that you don't know what his training was. Exactly. Two different games. And and having the, the biggest, baddest weapon doesn't matter if you well, haven't practiced with it. And the be the best advice I could give in a situation like that is just avoid it altogether. There you go. And find a way around it and get you get to your safety your safety zone. That's it. And hunker up in your safety zone and then you go you, you figure out what your plan is from there. Um but yeah, but like like I said, too many folks I, I read I read a lot of the internet Rambos out there. They're gonna do this and they're gonna do that. Well, unless you've ever had a bullet fly by you. Yeah, the zing. You know, and you've actually been under a situation of duress where you've had to protect yourself. Um, it's a, it's a whole new game at that point. Yeah. So that's about the only advice I can give, folks. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. Um, this is Super Dave and Mexican Joe, and that is episode one. Uh, or actually, in this case, it's episode two for Dave. Um. But that is episode one for Dave on Dave's specialties, um, L.A. riots. Um, the next episode Dave is going, going to do uh, will be probably this weekend. We'll record that one. And that will be on the Northridge earthquake, which is another one. 
that uh, Dave actually lived through, and it was another stink hit the fan moment. So um, we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, we're really happy to help Bob out here. We hope that everybody got something out of this. And uh, Bob, you're great. We're just trying to give back to you as you've given us. Thank you much, y'all, and y'all have a good night. Well, isn't that awesome? Mexican Joe and Super Dave, thank you very much. They're very active on the forum, by the way. If some of you want to do something like this, if you want to submit a guest podcast, an interview, if you want to do, you know, your own thing, uh, you know, fine. That's fine. You know, I've had that on here several times now. I've had people do their own podcast, submit it to me, and then usually I listen to it. Well, I always listen to it, and then I uh, put it up on the show. If you want to do a guest interview like these guys, that's fine. Just email me first, bob at todayssurvival.com. Give me some ideas, and uh, and let's run with it, because this was fantastic, and uh, it was kind of good, because I've been so doggone busy last uh, the last couple weeks that uh, Mexican Joe and Super Dave kind of bailed me out here. There's another one. There's another one coming up. Uh, Mexican Joe did an interview with somebody else that it's coming up, and that's probably going to be next week's podcast. So if you like what I do on this show, if this show helps you in some way, if my podcast helps you change your life a little bit and you want to give back, there's a couple of ways you can give back to my show. You can purchase one of the podcasts on my Survival Champions Club. If you want to be a champion at Survival, I've got some premium podcasts. I've got four or five of them that are podcasts that have never been aired on this show before. They're, they're recordings, they're interviews. One of them is with Glenn Tate, the author of the book series, 299 Days. His sixth book is out now, by the way. It's a fantastic series. So I interviewed Glenn Tate. He talked about part two of building a prepper team. I interviewed several people out um, on, on knife sharpening. My good friend Matt Chusnick on knife and tool sharpening. Matt Brasick up in Wisconsin with Midwest Disaster Medical. I interviewed him and he talked a lot about first aid and medical kits and things like that. Uh, I interviewed White Bear out in Montana. Uh, I've had him on here a couple of times. Most recently I've had him on the show about primitive living and how primitive living applies to today's life. And he did some more information on that kind of stuff. So you can purchase one of the Survival Champions Club podcasts, or you don't even have to spend any extra money to support my show if you just buy through my Amazon store. I have an Amazon account. I have an Amazon store. It's on my webpage, todayssurvival.com. Remember, there's two S's. Two S's in that domain name, todayssurvival.com. You'll see the Amazon store. Click on that page, use my link that shows up right there in my Amazon store. Anything you buy on Amazon, I'll get some credit for. Thank you. Lots of you have been doing it. You've been supporting the show. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. I do have an everyday carry store that's on there. You can see some of the items that I typically use every day. That's why I call it the everyday carry store. I've got a recommended books page if you want to buy Glenn Tate's most recent book. Or if some of the older ones you haven't read yet, I'm on book four right now, so I gotta I gotta admit I'm kind of behind. I'm on book four, and he's got book six out already. But what a practical, practical survival and prepping series, uh, and it's a novel. But boy, I tell you what, when you read this novel that Glenn wrote, you say to yourself, some of this is happening today. So check that out. Go on over to todayssurvival.com. I'd really appreciate it if you use my Amazon store. It really helps out the show. And you don't have to pay any extra money because, hey, if you're going to buy something anyway and it's on Amazon at the price that you want it and it's available, please buy it through my link. If you want to join the forum, click the forum page at todayssurvival.com. Do me one favor. Email me your username that you used to sign up for the forum. I have to approve every account now. It's the uh, I was getting I was getting hammered by by uh, spammers on the forum, so I set it up to where I've got to personally approve every account, and so I filter out all the spammers. If you send me an email and say, "Hey Bob, I just joined the forum and here's my username," now I know you're not a spammer and I'll get you approved probably in a, a lot less than 24 hours. With all that said, folks, thank you very much for listening. 
to another episode of today's survival show, where it's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Thank you very much, folks. I'll probably be talking to you next week with another interview. Take care.